we've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And we've been also trying to lean more on the Holy Spirit. Which is, for some people, it's like, that seems like an interesting life. <laughs> you know, some people came forward a couple of weeks ago to receive gifts of the Spirit. And, you know, I don't know what God did with that, but we were faithful in that and just doing what God called us to do. Last week, we had some people uh, sign up to try to lead a, a life this last week of being led by the Spirit. And just kind of, what does that mean to be led by the Spirit? So we're just, to some degree, just learning as we go here. What does that mean to, to follow God every day of our lives and, and to be led in, in the prompts of the Spirit? Starting next Sunday, Pastor Nyla is going to teach a couple Sundays on how does our uh, how the Spirit relate to our, our prayer life. And so I hope you make sure and come for those. So what does that leave us for today? Well, we're going to do a number of things today. Uh, I'm going to preach a uh, short sermon. Some of you already guess, oh, short sermon, yay. Um, we're also going to have a time for um, some of you, uh, two, three, four of you, to share a little bit more about what the Holy Spirit's been doing in your life, or what, maybe what you've been learning head-wise, or maybe just what you've been like to follow and be led by that. So if you're thinking about that, pray about that in the next few minutes, and we'd love to have a couple, three testimonies. Finally, at the end of that, we're going to have communion, and I'll explain more of all that later. So um, again, during the open mic time, if you just share a couple minutes, if two or three or four of you would be interested in that, that would be great. So I want to talk today about the book of Acts. So I went through and I read the book of Acts this week, and that's all about the early church, when Jesus ascended into heaven, and then the early church started. And there were many things I could have chosen to highlight about the book of Acts. Um, you know, I could have chosen to highlight um, all of the journeys and the spread of the gospel and Paul's missionary's journey from one city to the next. I could have chosen to highlight maybe all the uh, uh, tribulation and hardships that the early disciples had to endure the, and being thrown in jail and all that stuff. But I decided to highlight the miracles and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, there are a number of things um, about the early spirit. And I've, I've chosen to focus on, on, on the ones that just kind of stand out when you read them. Like, wow, that'd be, that's, that's amazing that that happened. You know, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 times in those 28 chapters. You know, and it's like strange that we don't talk more about the Holy Spirit uh, in churches these days when he's mentioned 56 times in 28 chapters. Um, so I mentioned the book starts with Jesus ascending into heaven and promising to his disciples that the Holy Spirit's going to come. Right? So the Christians gathered together, and they start praying. And soon the Spirit came. And with the sound of a mighty wind, and tongues of fire rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Spirit and were able to speak in other languages. And when Peter heard all this, and then he went out to tell people on the streets, he said, repent and be baptized, and you can receive the gift of the Spirit too. People start getting saved all over the place. And miracles start happening. Peter healed a crippled beggar, and people were filled with wonder and amazement at this miracle. And in just a short time, the number of believers grew from 2,000 to 5,000. Wow. What pastor wouldn't be happy to see that happen, right? And they continued to pray, and the Spirit came out and, and it shook the building. And the Spirit helped them speak the Word of God boldly. And there were so many miracles. As sick 
were healed. Tormented evil spirits were, were lifted. And more and more people became followers of Christ. When the apostles were thrown in jail, an angel came and set them free. Stephen, full of the Spirit, saw the glory of God in front of him and Jesus standing right next to the hand of God. Philip went to Samaria where more signs and miracles took place. And during all of this, there was a man named Saul. Saul's the bad guy for a while. And he's out persecuting Christians. He's out trying to make life miserable for Christians, doing all they can to get him thrown in jail or killed. But one day, when Saul was on his journeys, when a light from heaven came and flashed around him, and a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul went blind, and blind for three days. And the disciples took him in, this, this persecutor of Christians. Saul took in, and he became one of them. And the early church, they, they called themselves the way. Right? And Paul, Paul would say to people, guess what? I joined the way. And they would say, no way. And he would say, way. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you'll get that. In the town of Lydda, Peter ran, it says to a paralytic, a man who couldn't walk. He says, heal, get up, take care of your mat. And he got up. And those who lived in, in that area turned to the Lord. Peter would then bring a dead woman back to life. And news really began to spread. A man named Cornelius had a vision about an angel of God. Peter went up on the roof to pray and fell into a trance where he had a vision of God, from God. And not just the Jewish people were turning and finding new life, but the Gentiles, the people who weren't Jews in their faith, who weren't Old Testament people, they were coming to the Lord as well. Peter was thrown in jail, but was released by an angel. Herod failed to praise God and was struck by an angel and died. Saul, who had now changed his name to Paul, healed a crippled man who had been lame from birth. And Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. And this time, when the earthquake shook and the building and their chains fell off, they didn't leave. They stayed right there, and the jailer was so worried that he was going to get killed or whatever, that he ran to them and discovered they were still there. And that day the jailer came to the Lord. And days later, his whole family were baptized. God did such extraordinary things through Paul. Can you imagine? Even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Amazing. Paul brought, Paul brought back to life a man who fell out of a window. And finally, at the end of the book, Paul appeals before his religious government, the Roman council, and, and from morning to evening, he explains to them and declares to them the news about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. So he stayed there in a rented house for two years. And he welcomed all who came to him. 
and boldly without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot in that book. You know, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I said there are three people, three types of people. There are people in the world who, who, who don't, who, who just believe. There's something God, they've been raised in a, in a certain family or God's touched their heart, but they never saw a miracle. They've never seen a miracle to this day, but they still believe. There are people out there, though, category two, there are people out there, they've, they've seen quite a bit. In fact, you could probably say they've seen the miracle. They still don't believe. And there's the third group. Those who believe once a miracle happens. Now, I would be the first to admit that miracles in Acts don't happen every day, at least every day in our lives. Do I believe they happen? Oh, yeah. They happen all over the world. Some places more dramatically than others at times, I guess. The Spirit moves where the Spirit moves. Some people have said the Spirit isn't moving so much in America these days. That might be true. God does give us glimpses, though. Sometimes just little things like when you come together in worship and you feel his presence of some level. Other times he brings great revivals. If you, if you study history at all, you know that there are times where the God's presence was so great, people would just walk onto the place where the Spirit moved and they would fall on their knees and repent. It was just like, whoa, the presence of the Spirit was so thick. You know, I don't know where you're at personally. Some of you are more at a point where like, well, got to see it to believe it. I get that. Others of you just need a little bit of a sign, a little bit of a moment, a little bit of encouragement in your faith to know there's a God and that he cares about you and he has things planned for your life. So I'm going to call these, well, we say that's a God moment. You ever had a God moment? Maybe it wasn't a true miracle, miracle. You know, I didn't see someone raised from the dead. But there was a God moment happened. When you pray and you just feel like, oh, there's something else here. There's a presence in this room. Or when you read the Bible and the, there's a scripture that's just, boy, that was just made for you for what you needed to hear for that day. That's a God moment. When a person almost dies, and even if they are helped by modern medicine, you think, it's a God moment. When the day just goes better, because you've surrendered that control, you've given up that right to determine everything to go your way just for your needs, and it goes better when you don't do that, and you've surrendered to God. That's a God moment. When something happens that some would explain as coincidence, and you really can't prove that it's not coincidence, but you know in your heart that was a spirit, that was a God moment. So, whether you had a miracle, whether you had a God moment, some smaller scale maybe you would say, still God was there. We've been really pouring energy 
and time and attention and focus on on the Spirit. I want to give just a few of you, two, three, four of you, I don't know where God's going to take it. If you have something to say that you've just been processing about the Spirit, or if you felt I had a circumstance in my life that was a miracle or that was a God moment, I'm going to invite you to come up and just share just a minute or two or whatever and let you be the testimony of God's workings today. So the altar is open. I had three that came to my mind almost immediately. And uh, maybe I should have vetted these, but <laughs> yeah, here we go. And first one has to do with my salvation. The second one has to do with my father returning his heart to the Lord. And the third was uh, 2011, um, and some of you heard this story already, so I apologize. My wife and I, the first Friday of May in 2011, were sitting across from each other at our couch, on our couch in our living room, trying to decide if we were going to try to go forward with our marriage. And quite frankly, I don't think either one of us wanted to. We were broken, hurt, beat up, and a little bit by each other, right? And in that moment, she went her way, and I went mine. Um, she got a call from our, our pastor. He said, get your butt home. And we both returned home, and... The world would have said, you're done. You're done. You're not going to recover from this. And it wasn't as worse as what a lot of people deal with, but it was bad enough. And that was the truth. But God. God was there. He worked a miracle in my heart. He worked a miracle in April's heart, and we said, it doesn't matter. We're taking this back. We're taking this thing that you gave us back. Short of a miracle, we wouldn't be here today. I am sure of that. I'm sure of that. Thanks for letting me share. Okay, um, can you hear me? This may stretch some of your faith, but I hope it does. And I hope it encourages you. A week ago, Friday, I went to um, the visitation at the funeral home for Dick McIntyre. Um, and Nyla's cousin and Emmy, Emily McIntyre's brother. And I said to Emmy, I said, I'm so sorry that you lost your brother. I said, I can't imagine if I had, you know, lost one of my siblings right now. And she goes, but you did. And I did when I was 10 years old. My brother was tragically killed by a drunk driver. So I said, Emmy, that was so different because I was 10 and he was 17 and there was just kid stuff. And what does a 17-year-old want to do with this 10-year-old kid sister, really, except torment each other and, you know, fight over TV channels, really. So, um... So I said, Emmy, 
what I grieve from my brother, and I think it's probably the first time I ever, ever spoke it in words, was, but I lost a relationship that I never had, that I should have had. And that really was what I've been carrying with me since I was 10, but never really recognized it. So that was Friday. And then Saturday night, I had this dream. And in my dream, I was with my brother. And I I knew it was him because he had crazy hair, and it was his hair. And I have pictures to prove his hair was crazy. And um, his flannel shirt. And I can't even, we were moving forward, but I don't know how. And we were up in the, above the earth, kind of in the mountains. I, I can still see it, but I can't describe it very well. And the sense I came away from that was he said, it's okay. I still love you, and we will have a relationship when you're in heaven. And I woke up the next morning. I thought, was that really a dream? Like, I just was, like, puzzled by it because I thought it felt so much more than a dream. Um, and then, you know, I wear a Fitbit, and I looked at my sleep thing. I know I'm, cra- I'm a little nerdy. And there was a time in the night when there was this extended more than usual length of deep, deep sleep. And I thought, God, you gave me a vision with my brother. You gave me time with him. Somehow in the spiritual realm, God gave me time to have that conversation with him. And then I'm still the next morning, Sunday morning, I'm like, wow. So I was still struggling with it. But then, I don't know, Justin and Laura, how you pick your songs. But the last hymn was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And that was my brother's most favorite hymn. And God just told me right then that it was a vision and a time that he gave me with my brother. And um, and, we, and that song was his most favorite, and we sang it at his funeral. And I could barely get myself out of church that morning, but that is what the Spirit was doing this week. And the Bible commands us to say that when we have dreams and visions, we are to share them. And so I hope that it stretches your faith and that you believe, because I do. For 19 years, I was a single parent, and I raised my son the best I could. And six years ago, when he left for college, it left me quite depressed with nothing to live for. And I was about to give up on life. And finally decided to say a prayer for myself. And within hours, I was given an opportunity to give me a chance to bring back. And I got back to work and tried to improve myself and started helping others. Um, I believe it was a miracle because I was truly ready to give up. Uh, And through the support of other good Christian people that gave me opportunities and believed in me, I came back from that, and uh, after a couple of more years, I realized I owed something to the Lord because he had given me so much. So I decided to bring myself to church to give something back. Uh, And recently, I met a young lady who was in a bad situation, and I devoted myself to making her life better. And uh, through asking others to pray, uh, she seems to have turned her life around. And last Sunday, I'd asked many people to pray. And then Tuesday, when I went to see her, she was smiling and a glow about her and said that she had woke up that morning feeling relief and that she was cared and loved and that there was something better in the world. And since then, she has drastically turned her life around. And I thank all who have prayed. Um, I believe the Spirit is in her, Uh, and thank you.